It's the time we come to the proclamation of the word. If you have a copy of God's word, we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 28, verses 17 to 22. Again, Acts uh, chapter 28, verses 17 through 22. You notice we're knocking at the door and finishing this book in Acts. And can anybody guess how many chapters are in the book of Acts? 28. 28 chapters. And we are on the chapter 28. So we are right there at finishing the book of Acts. Uh, it's been a joy. I think Acts is going to be the second one we finished. Mark, uh, Gospel Mark, we finished Acts, and eventually we finished Genesis. So we have a couple books down that we have finished walkthrough expositional. Let me read the verses for us today. When I had returned, give me one second here. Okay, Acts uh, twenty-eight, verse starting verse seventeen. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Though I had no charge to bring against my nation, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you, speak with you, and since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you. None of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what you what your views are, for with regard to the set, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Let me pray for us, and you might be asking, like, Christian, what are you talking about? What is going on here? You're not alone if you're asking that question, so um, let me pray for us, and let's try to walk through and see what the Lord is revealing to us at this time. Uh, our Father God, Lord, we thank you again for allowing us to be back here in your word. Uh, Lord, we ask you to go before us, Lord, that your word is preached faithfully. Um, your, your people, Lord, are cared for through the word, by the word. Uh, so let me preach it faithfully, Lord. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me everything that need, Lord, to, to better lead your people, Lord, at this time, Lord, by preaching the word. So, Lord, let me be clear. Um, be concise. And let me not add or take away from your word. But, Lord, let me give all of your word to your people, Lord. And let us all, Lord, feast right now upon it. And build us up upon it at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Dr. Martin Luther King has had many major contributions and success as many African Americans. But many people have turned their ear away from him because of the different sexual scandals he's been a part of. And we don't want to take away the legacy of many great contributions with the different civil rights acts that was passed and so many acts that was passed 
to be able to bring about the flourishing of African Americans in our community, in our society. So we're thankful in different, in different aspects of what Dr. King has done. But at the same time, though, we cannot ignore for him to be a minister or preacher, for him to still carry on with sexual scandals as a minister. His life didn't add up to the work that he preached at times. Many didn't want to listen to him well because of the messages that he preached about all blacks overcoming. They didn't want to listen to those messages because of his character. My dad always told me, that son, people won't respect you if you lie to them. Character matters. You can be the greatest communicator. You can uplift people. You can build people. But if your character doesn't match nobody at the end of the way, I mean, only many is going to follow. Character matters. We have seen this here in recently years. One of the Basketball players from Arkansas, Dick Fisher. You heard about his fiasco and everything with, uh, uh, with, uh, 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 with adultery and things that took place in his life. A lot of people looked up to him because he was a great basketball player. And I'm not trying to say other people's name to slander any of these people. We all are human. We, we all, in a sense, have sinned before God. But the point I'm trying to make here and in, in, in today in this message is that if we don't watch our lives and we don't watch our character a lot of people are going to ignore the message that we proclaim. They don't want your gospel. After you have spoken harshly to your wife or to your husband, and after you have, have not entered of care for your children, and your sense of not being on time at work, you can say all this about Jesus, but a lot of people are trying to say he, he or she is just like the world. So family, our test today would help us to see the faithful, honest life of Paul will be used to open up doors to minister the gospel to the world. That our lives can be used to minister to the gospel of the world, but if our character is not there, we're going to be able to turn off so many people away from the gospel. Then we turn around and say they're rejecting the gospel. They're just rejecting the gospel. They don't want to hear about Jesus. That's not always the case. It was us. We played a role in them in a sense for them not want to hear us because how we lived our lives. And for them rejecting, yes, they will be guilty for rejecting the gospel. But in the same way, family, we cannot get off the hook if our character does not line up with what we proclaim. We see it so many times happen in our community. Our community has a great history of great preachers in the Palm Bluff. Great communicators in Palm Bluff. But we have heard about so many things that people probably say, Creston, you shouldn't talk about this in the pulpit. You shouldn't mention these things right now, but family must be in, we must be honest right now. There are so many ministers and so many clergy have been in leadership and they love to not add up to what they proclaim. And family, we must say it like it is. Here in America now, we hear so many kids are committing suicide. But a lot of those kids, if you a lot of them ask them when they were young, a lot of them would say they come from a Christian background. But also you ask them also is that what they experience in their own home. And what they see from other Christians around them, why should they continue in this certain faith? Again, I'm not giving that as an example. We're held accountable for our own sins. And somebody doesn't believe in Jesus, yes, that's on them. But at the same time, on the other side of this, Jesus talks about this. If anyone caused any of these little children to stumble, it's better for them to put a millstone around their neck and cast them into the sea. 
So family, if we are warned that our character not matching up, family, this message is for us today. This message is for us today. We're going to do it at three points today. Paul doesn't wait for the Jews to find out why he is in Rome. Point number two, Paul wants to be honest of the charges before him. And point number three, Paul allowed the Jews to question him about his beliefs. If I can title this message is, let not our character be the reason why people reject God. Let not our character be the reason why people reject God. Jump point one. Paul doesn't wait for the Jews to find out why he is in Rome. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had heard, had gathered, he said to them, We learned last week that Paul recently now arrived to Rome. All throughout his journey at the sea and traveling back and forth, he now has made it to Rome. But let me backtrack and, and just really quick what's happening. The book of Acts come right after the book of John. We got the four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four gospels talks about the life of Jesus and Jesus' ministry. But right after the gospels are complete, we have the book of Acts. So we hear about Jesus' life. Now we hear now what happened after Jesus goes to heaven. The book of Acts talks about now what is life like now with Jesus in heaven now. And what do we see in the book of Acts? Is that now Jesus' life is mirrored again through his apostles. So the apostles are living just like Jesus. Jesus healed people in his ministry, right? And, and, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus healed the blind. He healed the paralytic. He rebuked the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Now we see in the book of Acts. Now we see the apostles healing people that are blind, that are paralytic, that are lame. But also we see the, uh, the apostles doing is that they also are calling out the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What is happening here? We're seeing a similar thing happen in Jesus' ministry, happening in apostle ministry. What has happened is that Jesus let us know, even though he's in heaven, his ministry continued through his apostles. But also his goodness is that also it continued through his church. How Jesus proclaimed the gospel, now we proclaim the gospel. And one thing we find out through the book of Acts, how many people want to stop the gospel from going forward, the gospel continue going forward. And so Paul is an example of the gospel going forward. Paul now has been beat so many times right now. They tried to kill Paul. They brought Paul before the Pharisees. He got brought before the Romans, just like Jesus was brought before the Pharisees and brought before the Romans. But God spared Paul for Paul to continue his ministry for the church to expand, not just in Asia Minor, but also to Europe and also to Africa, also all around the world, the Lord used the man. So now Paul has made it to Rome. Now he's been here for about three days. He didn't wait any time. Call, Paul calls upon the local leaders. Not just any leaders, but the local Jewish leaders. These would be people in the charge of the synagogue. Christian churches were to start to be established, but we learn there, here, Paul calling for Jewish leaders in the synagogue, not Christian brothers. So right now, Jewish brothers here, so we might not have a Christian major present in this particular area in Rome. So Paul called, firstly, he called the Jewish leaders to come to him. But we did hear about Christian brothers in Potoli. We learned about Christian brothers. But here, 
We're finding about Paul called upon these Jewish leaders. And these Jews come to Paul now, and they probably heard that Paul has studied under Gamaliel, which is a great teacher of the law. These would be normally the same people that majority of the time would run to Paul. So right now we say Paul has probably have learned now of the Jewish community there, but also the people probably have heard of Gamaliel. But this is the time right now that Paul caught up on these leaders and all these Jewish leaders over time, they've been trying to kill Paul. So why is Paul calling these leaders to him? Have you thought about that? Normally the Jewish Pharisee leaders, they would try to stone Paul. But why is the first thing Paul do? He called the Jewish leaders here to town. So you may be asking, if these people are normally giving Paul a hard time, and, and why is Paul, what in the world is Paul is doing by calling the Jews here? It sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? You think he was trying to run, you know, try to do things under the radar so nobody knows he's in town. But he called him up front. I think Paul is on to something. Paul is teaching us something that we will be good for us in evangelism. Paul knew what many Jews thought of him and has misrepresented him. So Paul wants to explain his case before the Jews hear about him and not give him a chance to explain. You guys get that? Paul knows if they hear about him first, most likely they, they will run off thinking that the same like, like the, rest, the rest of these Jewish Pharisees I've thought about in the past with Paul. And they probably try to kill him. So Paul beat him to the punch and Paul say, let me let everything out before you right now. So Paul doesn't want any false accusation to hinder him for explaining that Christ is the fulfillment of the law and that salvation is found in Christ alone. So Paul is thinking about his dead. He wants them to hear about Christ, not about anything that Paul has done in the past that can hinder them from receiving the gospel. Paul said, let me lay this out before you so nothing that is about my character would, uh, that they can prevent you from not wanting to hear what I have to say. So family, we should go over and beyond to clarify different offenses against the church. If someone misused the Bible for slavery, we should be quick to explain how wrong these professing Christians were, right? Man. And if they different, if they didn't repent, they wasn't Christians. The child of slavery different from slavery in the Bible. We should be able to explain these certain things. If a community have lost trust from a pastor or a church because of immorality, or sexual abuse, whatever is happening in the church, we shouldn't be quickly to ignore people from those things. Yeah. But we should be quickly be able to listen to people. We should be quick to listen to be able to explain how immorality doesn't represent Christ. So Paul is teaching us the principles that we can explain, right? We should be clear. Because we're not clear, we can turn people away and for them not wanting to hear the gospel, we're thinking that they're rejecting the gospel, but they're actually rejecting the sense of you're not being sensitivity, your sensitivity is not there, you're not being caring, you're not worrying about the pain and the hurt, that might be turning them away. So family, as we minister the gospel, we must be sensitive when we minister the gospel. What I'm being sensitive is that if there's an allegation out there about the church, we shouldn't brush it to the side and say it's not true. 
If something actually happened within the church, we should be able to say, yes, that did happen. And that does not represent the gospel. That is not true. Jesus will condemn that. That is not true. But the Bible is true. A lot of times we try to find ourselves defending the church, but we actually make a mess of the church. Family, the Lord is going to defend his church. He's going to defend his church. He doesn't need us. He's going to defend his church. We can be faithful to be able to call out wrong for what wrong is. And this is what Paul is doing here. Paul is laying out before us here is that let me lay out the case right here. I know it might be some things you might hear down the road, but let me lay everything out because as I lay everything out, I want to share something with you, the greatest news in the world. But first what he does, he doesn't go straight into the gospel here. He goes straight into anything that can let down a road that can prevent or a wall that can kind of stop him from proclaiming the gospel down the road. He go ahead and address that right now. How does it look like for us? Like I mentioned over Dr. Martin Luther King, I mentioned in the same exact way is that for us to be able to mention that was that his life and his character and those particular areas didn't add up. We can mention those certain things, but we can say that this is what a true man of God looks like. Look at Jesus. He's faithful, he's honest, and things of that nature. But for family, we should be faithful with all things. So Paul knew that the Jews were going to say about him what Jews possibly can say about him and Christianity. So Paul goes on now to explain his case so that they can evaluate him properly. Look at point two. Paul wants to be honest of the charges before him. When the Jews gather together, Paul now lay out about four things of transparency before them. He wanted to be clear. He wanted to be clear. Paul explains his innocence. Look at 17b. Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Paul let the Jewish leaders know that he is not working against the Jewish people nor the custom of the fathers. He explained to them. He ain't said nothing about the gospel yet. He goes in and let them know that he's not working against the fathers or the customs of the fathers. That I support our Jewish history. That I'm not preaching a different gospel from the Old Testament. I am for Moses. Look at my text, right? Paul, the Bible says he got Moses tatted on him. Paul is saying, I'm for Moses. I'm for the law. I'm for the prophets. But they still deliver me as a prisoner to the hands of the Romans. So Paul explained that he's not believing a different God, but the same God of the Old Testament. Paul is clarify anything that can diminish his character because his character can be one of the things that comes up for them to shut everything down and not want to hear him. So what did Paul do? He clarified. Look at the second thing we learned from here. Even the Romans verified he was innocent. Look at verse 18. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Paul now explains, proved that he didn't believe in anything different than the fathers. And that the Jews agreed because the Romans was able to hear my case in the Jews. And they wanted to set me at liberty because I didn't hold to anything different from what the Father has held to. So based on the Romans' conversation with the Jews, the Romans didn't see anything leading to the death penalty. So Paul is making this case that even the Romans looked at me. They evaluated my life. The Romans say I'm innocent. I'm innocent of death penalty. 
So the Romans verified that Paul was innocent. Paul said he keep the law of Moses. He keep the law. Uh, to keep the uh, uh, the law of Moses and uh, the 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 the, um, uh, the prophets and the writings. And Paul goes further with proof that he's not lying. Look at the next thing in verse nineteen. But the Jews didn't want Paul to go free. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. The Romans wanted to let Paul go, but the Jews objected to this. They didn't want Paul to go free. They didn't want Paul to go free, even though they didn't have any faults against him. So Paul is playing and said, hey, the Romans wanted me to go free. They didn't have any charge against me. So Paul appealed to Caesar since he was a Roman citizen as well. Paul even admitted that he didn't even want charges on in the Jewish nation. Look at the last of verse 19. Though I had no charge to bring against my nation. Paul could have brought charges against them, right? He could have said, I'm a Roman citizen. Hey, hey Caesar, they're trying me unjustly, Caesar. They're doing me wrong, Caesar. The Jewish nation and Caesar could have held the Jewish nation accountable. But what did Paul do? Paul said, hey, they didn't do anything wrong. Paul was like, he said what? I didn't have any charge against them. So Paul said, I'm not even trying to get the Jews in trouble. Even though they, they did me wrong, I'm not trying to stitch on them. So Paul didn't want them to get in trouble. That's why he appealed to Caesar to finally make it to Rome. And the fourth thing we see here in verse 20, Paul desired for Israel to be saved. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Paul ended with the reason why he was willing to go through all this. He is going through all this because the hope of Israel. That he want Israel to be saved, to be truly saved, and to have true hope. That he want Israel to turn to the God of the fathers. That the Jews, even in Rome, took to look upon Christ, who was predicted in the Old Testament. Did you guys see this now? Paul even said, his hope is for Israel. So all these Jews now are sitting before Paul. All these Jews in front of him. And Paul has said, my hope for y'all to be saved. I didn't bring any, I didn't bring any charges against you. I want you to be saved when I bring the charges against you. And I have kept the law. You guys getting this? What's happening? Paul is making a case for his character. He's letting them know that he supports Judaism. He supports them. He loves the law. Why is Paul doing this again? We're going to learn in a few. Paul is building the cases that you guys can trust me. You can trust me with what I'm about to say here. But throughout the Old Testament, it predicted them. But the Messiah's coming. But Paul wants them to see that. We know that in Genesis 3.15, that Christ would crush the head of the serpent. Genesis 12, that Christ is coming from the offspring of Abraham. Genesis 17.19, Christ is coming from the offspring of Isaac. Genesis 49.10, which is parallel to Hebrews 7.14, that Christ coming from the lineage of Judah. Number 24.17, Christ is coming from the offspring of Jacob. 2 Samuel 7.12.13, Christ will reign on the throne of David. Psalm 69.8, that Christ will be rejected. So Paul knows that the entire Old Testament talks about this Christ, but he doesn't go straight to Christ. He doesn't go straight to Christ. Paul knew they already heard about the Christians. 
He had heard about the gospel that preached. They, they have heard something about it. So Paul, first, let me explain what I am. Where am I at with this before I explain what the gospel is? Some of you guys might ask, shouldn't we just preach the gospel? Shouldn't just be the gospel and nothing else? Family, have we looked over history? What people just came with the gospel and many other things? People have made a mess of the gospel? What's it called? A branch of Davidian in Waco, Texas? A cult that was professing Christian? Many of them committed suicide? You, you have heard of the, the many of scandals that happen in churches all around? And so, family, it would be good that we can just say this is what the gospel is, but family, people have a lot of trust in the church. People don't want to hear from Christians. They think Christians are nothing but hypocrites. And this is not just 2022. This is what Paul see here. Paul see this right in the first century. And that's what Paul is saying is that this is what people think of Christians. So Paul is explaining to them, let me first explain that, hey, I'm for, I'm for the Jewish community to, to thrive. I'm for the law. So Paul is explaining these things. And I think for us, we should learn from this. A lot of times we go so quickly right into the gospel and people already turn their ears off. So what does it mean to say, to ask somebody, you know, what they know you at work, whatever the case may be, to be able to see who they are. For them, for you to be able to explain to them what biblical Christianity is. Point number three. Paul allowed the Jews to question him about his beliefs. You see, the first response now uh, from them, from Paul, after Paul explains to them, he explains to them before the people. Paul says that, hey, I'm for the law. Uh, hey, I didn't bring any charge against the Jews. How are the people going to respond to him? Look at verse 21. Then they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken evil about you. They haven't received anything from the Jews and from Judea related to Paul. This let us know that the Jewish synagogues around the world has some type of connected way of communication. We heard about this in Acts 15, but the issue of the letters went into the different churches about circumcision. So letters would circulate around about serious issues, but a letter, a letter hasn't circulated around with Paul. They haven't heard anything about Paul before. And we hear it today that the letters were sent to Rome. We have done any letters right here that were sent to Rome relating to Paul. I don't know why here. Is this possibility because Due to Paul being a Roman citizen, they didn't want to write a letter about Paul because he's a Roman citizen. They couldn't do anything about him, the Jewish people. That the Jews could be held accountable, continue to cause a riots around the Roman citizens because of Paul. Not sure why the letter wasn't sent for Paul. But we know that no letter was sent for Paul and no one has heard anything evil from Paul. So the first thing happened. They haven't heard anything evil from Paul. So right now is that they are receiving Paul at this moment. And now Paul, as Paul is getting received, don't have anything evil on, they don't know anything evil on Paul. Now Paul can now see the door open up. Now he can go right into the gospel. But he doesn't go I mean, yet because they have something else to say. The second response we see in verse 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are 
for the regard to this set, we know that everywhere is spoken against. Family, this is big news right here in this verse. Everything led up to this verse 22. Now the Jews are interested in knowing more about the set, this set. This set is called Nazarene and within Islam or within Islam country called a Nazarene. But it's Christianity. They want to know more about the beliefs there and the Christianity. Because everywhere is spoken against it. So family, see here, now the people respond after Paul lays out his care for the law in the Old Testament. He care about them. He, 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 he's been, what, he's compassionate towards them. Now the people respond and says, let me hear about Christianity. Let me hear about this setting. So now we know that the people has heard about Christianity, but since Paul lays out his hope for Israel and it continues holding to the tradition of the Father, they are interested in hearing more from him. I think if Paul would have started about Christianity from the beginning of the speech. I think they would probably wouldn't even have gave him any time of the day. They probably would have said, let's stone him. Let's stone this Paul. Because they already heard that many, uh, they already heard the many things that Paul had to say, how he feel about Judaism, how he feel about them, and his history. Now they open up the door for them to hear about this set of Christianity. Paul knew his audience. He spoke to them wisely with grace. And now we, we're hearing this week of Paul's explanation of Christianity. So what is Paul doing here today? Paul is showing us how to do evangelism. He's showing us how to do evangelism. Paul said we can slow down. We can slow down. We can have good conversations. And anything in our life, in our character, that's not adding up. Even in our family homes, right? A lot of times, you know, family won't want to hear us. We don't clean our rooms, for example. How are you going to do this, all this Christian stuff right here? You don't clean your room up, you know, whatever the case may be. And they're trying to find all these different reasons. So for us, is that we should live a life that's honoring to the Lord, that anything, any fault, anything that possibly can come up, we can eliminate it all. But we already know that sometimes is that by living for Jesus, we're simply going to make up something on you and God's. But we do the best we can. That our character match up with our professional faith. Our character matches up. Again, if our character doesn't match up with our proclamation, many people are not going to want to hear our gospel. So character matters. Character matters in the life of the believer. And as I end, as I mentioned earlier again, we look around our community in Palm Bluff and all over the place. You guys might have heard about the story about uh, in, uh, in Little Rock uh, when the pastor, uh, when the associate pastor uh, was having an affair and the counselor in Memphis killed him uh, not too long ago. Family, these stories people are hearing and kids are hearing and growing up and they're seeing that if you can't find character in the church, what can we turn to? If the church is not adding up, the church can't find faithful people that hold on to good morale, what can we turn to?
So family, time for the church. Not just to talk a good game, it's time for us to live it. Couple applications as we end here today. We should learn from Paul and clarify any false accusation against, our, against the church. We should learn from Paul and clarify any false allegations or accusations against the church. People might have legitimate concerns. Maybe someone has, misconception has caused someone to put a wall up about the church for years because of what they heard about churches doing. So we should be quick to hear. And we should be honest. We should be honest. If the Christian church haven't resembled God at times, if the Christian church, we should be honest and say what they are doing in Haiti is called as Christianity in Haiti, and they have misused things in Haiti, we should say those missionary trips are wrong. We should call it for what it is. We can come alongside and explain the truth of the Christian faith. And it's possible they can soften the heart for someone to be able to say, hey, I want to hear more about this. I just got a message today uh, from a friend of mine. He was sharing the gospel with a guy that's a Muslim. And a guy from Muslim, um, he... Um, needed some, he needed some things done. I guess he needed to be assisted with some things. So this Christian guy to start loving on him, helping out with several things um, over, the, over, I guess, the last few weeks. And so the God that's Muslim have expressed to this God as Christians that, hey, I don't want to hear anything about Christianity because these Christians have said these things, they have done these certain things in the past. And this God has sat down and said, yes, this is wrong. For people to say this in the name of Christianity, do this in the name of Christianity. And a guy sent me a message today and said, a guy opened up today and said, hey, I want you to hear, I want to hear more about the true Christianity. So now the God's going to walk him through the Bible now that's a Muslim. He's interested in this because the God was humble enough to say that, yes, these things right here wasn't Christianity and it was wrong. And then it now has opened up the door for this God now to be able to disciple, or I didn't say disciple, to be able to explain to him what true biblical Christianity is. So family, we can do the same thing. We can, we can say these things was wrong and this right here, but it's right. Number two in application. We should be honest again with the past. I know sometimes our past might not be look pretty. We should be honest with our past, but also be honest with how the gospel has nailed our past to the cross. Possible honest with his past. Paul was honest with what he's been through. Family, we don't have to be to hide our past from people before us. We can be honest that yes, I was a I was a young Christian. And what I was doing, it was wrong. What I was doing, I was I was living life not contrary to the gospel. Family, our past can be to break down wall for people to be able to hear the gospel. So family, we don't have to be afraid of our past. Our past, we truly believe in the gospel. We don't have to fear our past. Our past is truly nailed to the cross. So family, our past can open up many doors of the gospel. We started with Paul. Paul clarified his past. He was truthful about his past. And now they want to hear more from him. Family, be truthful about your past. And what Jesus has done for your past. Last thing right here as we end. 
Do not push others' concern to the side and go straight to the gospel. Listen to that again. Do not push others' concern to the side and go straight into the gospel. We hear their concerns and we point them and their concerns to the one that can reconcile all concerns to himself, which is Jesus. Family, we hear their concerns and we point their concerns to Jesus. We hear their concerns. We hear someone saying that they have a loved one that's sick. We hear those concerns and say that, let me just go in and go straight into the God. No, let's go straight in and say, this person is sick. Yes, they're sick. But let, let me tell you, though, is that, that, that it is a lot of sickness in the world. The world and its people are dying all around us in this world. And we go straight into that. There is one that have came to bring life into this world. So, family, we hear the concerns. And we let the gospel, right, penetrate those concerns. And the gospel get life. A lot of times when we go to people and we try to make up concerns that might not be big concerns for them. But we should be able to hear the major concern in their life and be able to hear those concerns and point right into the gospel. So be quick to listen and slow to speak. Listen to the hurt. Listen to the brokenness. Listen to the concerns and point them right to Jesus in the midst of that. As we hear the hurt, we respond with the true hope, which is in Christ, in Christ alone. So hear me clearly. I'm not saying don't give them the gospel. Yes, we give them the gospel. But we hear them. What are we giving the gospel to? What, I mean, the good news for, right? We need to hear this, the bad, we need to hear where they're at, right? We need to hear the bad news, and therefore make the great, the good news so special when they hear the bad news. They see death all around them. They see what sickness all around them, and and hurt all around them, then we give them the gospel. A lot of times we'll be so quick to give them good news, and for them, they don't see the importance of that good news. We should be able to turn for hear the bad news to point to that good news as we do it. Let me pray for us, and um, let's do, go into communion.